Reading this morning is from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Wasn't that a a wonderful story? My heart took a little leap when I discovered that I was down to be speaking today. Anyway, before we begin, let's, let's pray together. Our loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for drawing us to faith and for pouring your joy into our hearts. We pray that this morning as we listen again to this story and reflect on it, that you would deepen that joy, gladden our hearts that we belong to you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I wonder if um, you would say that the one of the people who was most influential in your early lives uh, by what they did and what they said, you would have said, your mother. I would certainly say that for myself. Um, My mother died quite a few years ago now, but I still remember some of the unusual things that she used to say. This top uh, that I got at the department store is more better than the last one I bought. And we would all protest. You can't say more better. It's not grammatical. But she was undeterred. No, it's not just better than the last one, she say. It's more better. So we stopped arguing. She also seemed to feel that people never change. And not surprisingly, she had a little saying to describe that as well. As people get older, she used, to st- she used to say, they stay exactly the same, only more so. <laughs> and I think what she meant was that their characteristics, their foibles, became even more pronounced as they got older. And of course, There may be some truth in that. I wouldn't be surprised if we all know somebody for whom that would be an apt description. But I still find it rather sad that it implies that she felt that people cannot change and that there's no point even in aspiring to change. Well, as you probably know, we're in the middle of a a series 
about faith at these morning services. Um, and uh, we've been looking at a, a number of different characters in whose lives faith has been shown, characters in the Bible. And uh, as you will gather, today's person is Zacchaeus. And if anyone in the Bible proves that change is possible, it must be Zacchaeus. And what makes this story so special to many of us is that the change that we see in Zacchaeus is also accompanied by joy. And I don't just mean a little bit of joy, like a timid smile where there was previously a frown, but it's as if a great massive grin has suddenly spread over his face, something more wonderful than he could ever have dreamed of. But in order to understand the grin or the joy a bit more, we perhaps just need to reflect a little bit on the frown. We're only told two things about Zacchaeus in this story, and we can't do any cross-referencing with other passages in the Bible because this is the only occasion where we learn about Zacchaeus. And the two things are, well, the first one was that he was short, vertically challenged, we might say, today. And the other was that he was wealthy. And that was the result of him being a tax collector. And it's pretty clear that he achieved his wealth uh, at the expense of principles. So I suppose, actually, there are three things that we learn about Zacchaeus. He was short, he was wealthy, and he was a crook. He rather reminds me of the actor Danny DeVito, especially in his role in the film Matilda. I wonder if you've seen, some of you will have seen the film. Danny DeVito plays Harry Wormwood, who is Matilda's rather unlovely father. And if you've seen the film, you won't forget forget how Harry Wormwood is a short, fat, money-obsessed, used car dealer. But in fact, of course, Zacchaeus is a bit more upmarket than Harry Wormwood, because he wasn't just a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. And what that means is that uh, not only did he squeeze money out of his day-to-day clients, if you can call them that, but also he would have had a cut from uh, the, the winnings, the gains, made by some of the tax collectors who worked for him. And because of all this, he was hated by his community. And this hatred would have been enhanced, if you like, because uh, he was a Jew cheating other Jews on behalf of the Romans. But for all his wealth and his success and his status, there was obviously something missing in Zacchaeus' life. He seems to be searching, searching for something more. I wonder if you've heard of Jack Higgins, the author, the best-selling author, I should say, of about 75 or so thrillers. And maybe the best-known of them all is is, uh, The Eagle Has Landed, which I gather has sold over 50 million copies. And Higgins is a wealthy man. And so he lives in the Channel Islands uh, for tax reasons. And a little while ago, he was asked if there's anything that he'd wished he'd been told when he was younger. I find his reply quite telling. I wish someone had told me that when you get to the top, 
there's nothing there. And you get the feeling that Zacchaeus would have agreed with Higgins, which is probably why he's so keen to find out if maybe Jesus had the answer to his angst. Now, at this point in in Luke's Gospel, Jesus is on his way from Galilee to Jerusalem. And in fact, it seems to be quite a long journey. Luke Luke spins it out a bit. And it starts in chapter 9. And here we are in chapter 19. And this is the last stop before going up to Jerusalem. And the cross is beckoning. The crowds are surrounding him. And that's when Zacchaeus makes his move. And verse 4 told us what happened. You see, crowds are quite an obstacle to a small man. And this is what Luke says. He ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see Jesus. And pretty soon Jesus arrives at the spot where Zacchaeus has climbed up the tree. And he looks up and sees Zacchaeus there and calls him by name. And what he says to him is really surprising. You see, only in the previous chapter, chapter 18, Jesus has encountered another rich man. And after a short conversation with him, this is what Jesus said to him. One thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you would, have, you would think, wouldn't you, that maybe Jesus is going to repeat something of those instructions to this rich tax collector. In a, in a sense, it would be an instruction to repent and change his ways. But he doesn't do that at all here in the Zacchaeus story. Instead, he calls up to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. No reproof, no call to repentance. He just invites him, invites himself to stay at Zacchaeus' house the last night before he was set off for Jerusalem. And you can tell that the effect of his words amongst the crowd was electric. And they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. But the effect on Zacchaeus seems to have been even more electric. No one had ever wanted to go to his home before. So at once he comes down and whisks Jesus off to his home and and then I imagine in a great state of excitement he prepares a meal for him. I mentioned repenting just now. The Greek word for repent is a word called metanoia and it literally means to change one's mind. But in a book I read recently, the author suggests that it really means quite a bit more than that. This is what he wrote. To repent is to experience a change of outlook and perspective that reshapes you from the heart, leaving no part of your life untouched. Reshapes your heart, leaving no part of your life untouched. And I think that's a perfect description of what happened to Zacchaeus that day. 
And that's when, I reckon, the frown begin, began to turn into a grin. He seems to have realised that he could easily swap his soul sickness and his wealth for comparative poverty and joy. I wonder if you've heard the saying that the last part of a Christian to be changed by their faith in Christ is their purse or their wallet. Amazingly, in this story, it was the first thing that changed in Zacchaeus' life. Verse 8 says this, Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And for him, that would have been a fortune. He's changed from being someone who was always thinking about how he could be making more money into someone who wants to see just how much he can give, give away. And all because of meeting with Jesus. And that's when Jesus explains to him um, what has happened. Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And the key thing about Abraham was that he was a man of faith. Abraham believed God, we're told, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And Jesus recognises that Zacchaeus has now come to faith in him and the result is salvation, rescue from his old way of life. And what that meant for Zacchaeus was transformation, freedom, joy and hope. And the joy was the kind of joy that transforms a person's life and spills over into the lives of others around them. But I wonder if, like me, joy is something that you find to be elusive. Jesus once talked about how the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, robbing us of our joy. And some of that has been true of me. I've got a friend, he's actually an ex-pupil of mine, who is a vicar in North London. And about 18 months ago, his wife, Amy, told me about a little book she'd been reading called My One Word, written by an American pastor. And in it, he encourages his readers to choose one word, a word like peace, or trust, or patience, or courage, Whatever. One word which describes what you are most hoping God will give you or do in your life in the coming year. And then focus on it for the whole of that year. I thought about it hard and long, reflecting on things like my worries that I've had and my longing to grow more Christ-like and so on. Typical concerns, I guess, that many of us have been through. And eventually, I hit on the word thankful. And to help me be reminded of it continually, I made thankful 
my password every time I log on to my computer, which I do rather too often. And so every time I logged in, I thanked God for something good that was happening. And I found that something wonderful was happening within me. I was worrying less. And yes, I was more conscious of the joy that God grow, is growing within me. My frown was turning into a grin. So what is my word for this year? Well, I'm afraid to say I've cheated because my one word is actually two words, but I spell them without a space between. And it's the word, or the words, dearly loved. And that's what we all are, dearly loved by God. And I think my grin is getting even bigger. And so I guess what I'm really saying is that contrary to my mother's opinions, we can still change. We may never have or never have had an experience quite as mind-blowing as Zacchaeus. But the joy that follows in the footsteps of faith can be ours. Now, there's one verse in the Zacchaeus story, a very important verse that I haven't mentioned yet, and it's the last verse, verse 10. It goes like this. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Some people reckon that this verse about seeking and saving the lost is the key verse in the whole of Luke's Gospel, that it sums up the message that he's trying to pass on to us. And aren't we surrounded by people who, in Christian terms, are lost outside the love of God, knowing nothing of his joy and peace? And Jesus used the three years of his ministry to go looking for people like that, seeking them, and then rescuing them, seeking and saving the lost. But Jesus isn't here anymore, not physically anyway. So he's delegated that task of seeking and saving the lost to his followers. I wonder if we're up to that challenge. It can be hard, it can be embarrassing, and it can make us feel small. I remember Bishop Michael Bourne on one of his visits to this church sharing his own problems with talking about his faith to people who don't know Christ. And that if he was, he, he said to God, if you present me with an opportunity, I promise that I will not shirk that opportunity. I wonder if you knew that when someone comes to faith, there is an outpouring of joy. It says in the New Testament that there is joy amongst the angels of heaven. And there's also joy for those who have been God's instruments in helping people like that to faith. So God is a great giver of joy. Faith and joy were the two wonderful things that transformed Zacchaeus' life. And so I'd like to finish by uh, using some words of St. Paul. They are a prayer that uh, comes in Romans 15. So let us pray as we sit. May the God of hope fill us with all joy and peace as we trust in him 
so that we may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.